Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Jackass. Turn to Numbers chapter 22 in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Now in the story we're going to read, there is a jackass. And it may not be who you think it is, but we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through. Numbers chapter 22, Moses has led the people of Israel through the wilderness. Everybody who rebelled has died off. They're still making mistakes, but they're about to go into the promised land. Moses won't get to go with them, but they're moving toward the promised land and they are taking out whole cities, whole groups of people. And the rest of the people around are getting very nervous. They look out and see this sea of people who are coming at them and they know something's up. And we pick up the story here with one of these groups in Numbers 22.1. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak said the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him saying, so this king is afraid, Balak's afraid, and he says, send for Balaam. Because I need something done. And this is what he wanted them to say. Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. Now, whoever Balaam is, he's got some game. He's got some power. The king calls for him because this was Balaam's reputation. If he blessed you, you were going to be blessed. If he cursed you, you were going to be cursed. And the king says, I need you to come and curse all these people and maybe we'll have a shot. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand. Now notice this. The way Balaam operated, and you'll see at the end of this story, Balaam's deal was they showed up with money. They showed up with a fee. I'll bless who you want me to bless, curse who you want me to curse, but this is going to cost you. So they show up with a diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? So God himself speaks to Balaam. Somehow there's communication with these two. So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, has sent to me saying, look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. 
And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Then Balak again sent princes, and look at verse 15. And this, there's a lot of things going on simultaneously here. But when the first crew doesn't work, look who he sends in next. More numerous. He sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. So he cranks it up a little bit and says, well, I'll put some more heat on him. I'll send some more honorable people, some more prestigious people to try to get the deal done. And they came to Balaam and said to him, thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, and guys, part of what I want you to see here is if you get instruction from God and he gives you specific instruction through his word or wherever it is in your heart through somebody else, just you sense that this is what God wants you to do, do what he says. Don't tweak it. Don't improve on it. Don't say, well, yeah, you said that, but it's going to be okay if I do this. And Balaam, it sounds like, and this is what is very perplexing to me personally, Everything he's saying, God tells him something, he goes back and says what God says, but somewhere in Balaam's heart, something's not right. We'll get to that at the very end. Verse 20 again. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So what is the key? If the men come to call you, if they come to get you, then go with them and only say what I'm telling you to say. Verse 21. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. There is no mention of them coming after him. He decided, I'll just go with them, and this will work out. Robinson Jeffers said, pleasure is the carrot dangled to lead the ass to market or the precipice. And I think sometimes we assume God approves or will let us get away with what we are doing because he hasn't stopped us yet. And we all know what happens when we assume in the line of our title today. Look at verse 22. Then God's anger was aroused because he went. And I'm about to read you one of the most bizarre, fascinating, impossible things in the scripture. But here it is. Verses 22 and following. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now, before I even get into this, let me just say this to you. You may be getting away with something and not even be aware that the angel of the Lord could be coming against you right now. You say, well, I'm involved in something, and if it's so bad, God would have crushed me a long time ago. Must be okay. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. It may be your lifestyle. It may be something sexual. It may be something that deals with drugs, alcohol, stealing, whatever it may be. You say, well, I've gotten away with it. You keep cringing and looking over your shoulder like I did it again, but nothing happens. Man, grace has covered this. I'm scot-free. It's going to be okay. And if you really knew what was going on, and if you were paying attention, you would see that maybe himself or someone, an angel of the Lord literally coming against you, and you are so blinded by your sin that you don't see it coming at you. When you look at Balaam and you say, yeah, well, God spoke through him. God spoke to him and spoke through him, but he still had stuff going on. Whether it scares you or not, this stuff scares me. 
Because God may be using your life, he may be speaking through you, but there could be stuff, there could be things that God himself is coming against you, trying to slow you down, stop you, redirect you, and you are so bullheaded, you are so stubborn, we are such jackasses, literally, spiritually, we can't be stopped. Now, you'll see one guy get stopped, and you think it would fix it, but it really didn't in the long run, but let's keep reading here. The angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him, and he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. So you've got Balaam on a donkey, two servants. So Balaam's got some cloud. He's got servants, so he's not some poor guy. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. Balaam is riding a donkey, The donkey sees the angel, and Balaam does not. He can't see the angel. This beast of burden, this donkey, sees an angel with a drawn sword, and out of fear, the donkey itself turns into a field trying to get, you know, herself, you'll see it's a female donkey in a minute, trying to get herself and Balaam, who's riding her, away from this attacker. So what does Balaam do? So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road, starts hitting this donkey. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. So finally this angel has cornered this donkey, and the donkey sees it, and Balaam doesn't, and Balaam's just hitting the donkey. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. She said, well, I can't go to the right or the left or get your attention the other way, and we're not going where this angel is, just sat down, lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff, just smacking this poor beast. You say, well, donkeys are stubborn. You know what? This is not a stubborn donkey. This is a smart donkey. And all you animal lovers, I'm about to give you the verse of your lifetime. If you love animals, I'm going to wreck you forever. You won't know any other verse of Scripture, but you'll quote this to everybody. Now, I'm telling you straight up, I read this stuff, and I don't want to just, you know, glaze over this thing and act like it's not here. One of the weirdest verses in the Bible is verse 28. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. Now, thank God animals don't speak, because think of the things they would tell us. And if you think animals aren't thinking, you're about to discover this donkey, she was thinking. Now, I've already mentioned that you keep reading here, and it says that the donkey was a she. And we know that a jackass is a male donkey. So clearly, the jackass in the story is not the donkey, it's the rider. (laughs) Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, Now, if you're sitting on top of a donkey that is sitting, laying down on the ground, and you've just whacked this donkey on the head, and the donkey turns around and speaks to you, it's okay on Shrek, but this has got to be pretty wild. (laughs) Here's what the donkey says. What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And the donkey can speak and count. (laughs) Now, just think about this. What have I done to you that you've hit me three times? And Balaam said to the donkey... Now, you know he's an idiot. He's talking back to the donkey. When you are so consumed with anger and rage that you're not blown away by a speaking donkey, you're in trouble. He starts talking back to his donkey that's speaking to him all of a sudden. 
And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. And so the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? Have I ever done anything like this to you before? This is a rational donkey. I mean, have I ever run you into a wall or gone out into a field? I've tried to carry you around and do what I was supposed to do. What have I ever done to deserve this? And look at his answer. And he said, no, you've never done anything. So this is a good donkey. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Now, this is a terrible thing to have happen to you. And it is usually way too late in the process. See, we are supposed to be living by faith. And when you live by faith, you understand that though there are things you can't see, they're there anyway, you don't understand, you trust anyway, and you do the right thing and you follow God and you do what he tells you to do. But every once in a while, God opens your eyes, you're like, oh my gosh, that's what was going on. But it's usually too late. Look what happens. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. You know what? Fall flat on your face before you see the angel of the Lord and you won't get in as much trouble. Bow before you get yourself into a mess. He is so consumed, as we'll see later, by greed. They come with all this money saying, well, we'll give you this. If you say, oh, no, I wouldn't take that. But you know what? He's going with them anyway. He is consumed with greed. He is angry that he's not getting where he's wanting to go. And this donkey is trying to protect him. And he doesn't even see it until the Lord opens his eyes. And it's pretty sad when a donkey can see what you can't see. He saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, now you think it's going to be about some big spiritual thing, but now the angel of the Lord is upset. And what does he say? Why have you struck your donkey? Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside for me these three times. If she had not turned aside for me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. I came out to take you out, Balaam, but the donkey saved your life by turning side to side. Now, what is your donkey? What is it that is in your life that has been put there by God to protect you, to provide for you, to help you in some way, and you're beating the donkey and not realizing this donkey may be saving your life. God may have something in your life that you are trying to take out, destroy, beat down that is the very thing that's protecting you from getting into the mess you're about to get into, and you won't see it until it's too late. Verse 34, And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. I'm willing to go back. I got out here clearly doing the wrong thing. I will go back. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. He keeps coming back to this. Don't say any more than I'm telling you to say, because when you do that, and I'll show you in a little bit what he says, it gets him in trouble, and ultimately he dies with the rest of the pack. He said more than God told him to say. Now, when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab, which is on the border of Arnon, the boundary of the territory. Then Balak said to Balaam, did I not earnestly send to you calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? And Balaam said to Balak, look, I have come to you. Now have I any power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I must speak. 
So Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kirjas Huzoth. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. So it was the next day that Balak took Balaam and brought him up to the high places of Baal, there that they might observe the extent of the people. So they go through this thing of putting up seven altars. They go to three different places, put up altars, do sacrifices, and Balak keeps saying, wanting Balaam to go to God and find out. And every time God says, look, I'm not cursing these people. They are blessed. They are my people. We're not doing this. Now, I want you to jump forward to Numbers 25. Something happens, and obviously, God does not get Balaam to curse his own people. They are blessed. And if you want to go read the rest of Numbers and catch the whole thing, it's pretty fascinating. But there's something that happens in Numbers 25, and you don't get the answer to Numbers 25.1 till later, and I'll read you that as well. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, this a certain part where they were, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. God's people move into this territory, and the way the people of Moab worshipped is they had dinner, they had a big party, and then got together and basically had big orgies. And this was too much for the men in God's camp to get over with, to get by, so they get sucked into this and fall into all kind of sin, and before it's all over, thousands of God's people died because they had brought these women into the camp and got involved in a way they shouldn't. And I'll read you in a minute where it goes wrong. But go one page back or so to Numbers 24.1. And this is toward the end of the king, Balak trying to get him to curse everybody, and look what he says. Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to seek to use sorcery But he set his face toward the wilderness, and Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes, and then this phrase, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And look what comes out of his mouth when the Spirit of God comes upon him. Then he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets, And his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agog, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. Then Balak's anger was roused against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. Now, go to Numbers chapter 31. There's a lot of stuff, obviously, that happens before this. 31.1, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm some of yourselves for war and let them go against the Midianites and take vengeance for the Lord on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel, 1,000 from each tribe, 12,000 armed for war. Then Moses sent them to the war, 1,000 from each tribe. He sent them to the war with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in their hand. And then look at verse 7 and 8. 
and they warred against the Midianites just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And they killed all the males. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed. Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, Reba, the five kings of Midian. And then this last phrase, Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. Now, why would they have killed Balaam when Balaam ultimately said, bless those that bless, curse those that curse? The spirit of God was upon him, but he died with the rest of them. Look in the same chapter, Numbers 31, verse 16. And this reveals what was really going on with Balaam. Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now go back to Numbers 25, verse 1. And remember what happened. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Where do you think they figured out how to mess with Israel? From Balaam. He's been offered money. He says, no, I'll do what God says. They offer him more money. He says, if you fill the king's house with silver and gold, I won't take it. He comes in. God says, don't curse him. He doesn't curse him. But somewhere in all of this, Balaam is so greedy, he is so concerned about not being rejected about not saying something to offend someone, he cashed in somewhere because he said, okay, I'll give you some information. If you will get your people next to God's people, somehow the women will seduce them, your whole worship thing will take them out. This is a way to defeat them. And on Balaam's advice in Numbers 31, where it's recounted here, through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor, Balaam dies with the rest of them because he is involved in betraying God's people to the enemy. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter 2 verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, talking about the past, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Jump down to verse 12. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices." A trained heart. It's gone so far that they have a heart that is trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray. And look at this. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. And the King James says here, a dumb ass speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. You think that's some new phrase out there. It's in the Bible. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, 
the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Let me read it again. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now, let me tell you something. Unrighteousness pays, but you don't want to pay for what it gets you. Love the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried about by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And the last thing, let me just read you this out of Jude 11. There's only one chapter in Jude. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. God may be using you and speaking through you, but we are all capable of some heinous stuff. And if you don't get quiet, I'm not talking to going to God and praising him and thanking him for stuff. I'm talking about being still and quiet long enough to say, okay, God, do a search. Try me. What is really going on in here? And what is it that I'm ignoring? The angel of the Lord himself coming against me, trying to stop me. And I'm not paying attention to the signs and the things that are going on around me. Pay attention. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.